0: Well, this morning, we're talking about why we need each other as a church. And I want to show a quick video that gives you a little bit more of a picture of what that looks like for us as a church. And even as we think about Bill, Bill's been a part of all the stories that you're going to see. So take a look at this video.
1: Her name was Linda Catherine Cope. Prior to her getting sick, we had been married 49 and a half years, the last year. She was in a lot of pain. During that time, we had several visits from people at church, including one or two of the pastors who was especially uh, interested in trying to minister to her. We had She received several call, calls almost daily from someone at church. She had fallen and broke her hip. When she broke that hip, that was probably what finally put her uh, was the last draw for her. She came home and within a few days then she passed away. It was May 28th, about 9 a.m. Since then, I have continued to receive cards of encouragement, visits from pastors. I've probably gotten 30, 40 cards since then. Um, when I do get to church, always encouraged, feel loved, um, especially by people, our small group, has been especially encouraging. I've had several invitations to dinner or lunch from people at church. So it's been very encouraging and strengthening. It's helped me a lot. So I really do appreciate all that they've done.
2: Right before things went on lockdown, I had suffered a, a personal loss of a family member. And I just remember thinking like, what is going on right now? This was early during the lockdown. Delora had called me to check on, to check on me and just say, like, we're just checking in and making sure, do you need anything? I really appreciated that she had called because I wasn't a member, you know? And so I was like hesitant, like, oh, that's that's great that she thought of me. I wanted to join a small group. I remember feeling nervous because I wasn't sure if, uh, if, it would be a good small group, because Bill sends you an email that you can be in a small group, and I don't really know half these people. Getting to know everyone, all the couples has just been, it's just been an encouragement. Knowing that I can be open with my small group, and that people can understand where you're coming from, wanting to be known is a desire, you know, among people. And I think having a a group of people who understand your story and can support you in a way that you need is like one of the best ways that I think the small group helps.
1: People do know when to stop me and when to to ignore the fact that I just said I'm fine when you can tell I'm not. Um, There's people that will say, are you sure? And that's when I'm like, yeah, today's not a good day. And then when I start getting into why it's not a good day, they let me, they reassure me that it's okay to be upset. It's okay to go to the Lord with it. And it's okay not to know all the answers. This church has seen me probably at my worst. So I think over the years, it's always been, no matter how many times I've moved to different houses or I've been in different stages of my life, this has always been where I've felt the most love, the most at home when everything else is. Chaotic. My ladies' group started in October. That, that has been the perfect fit for me because um, everybody was at different stages in the walk. They've been a really uh, good encouragement for me. Love is an action work and this group is fully action. I felt very loved as soon as I started in that group, and uh, it's just got a little bit better. One of our ladies uh, got really sick but missed the Bible study. So we all, you know, got a a little car thing going and we went over to her house and we took the Bible study to her. So that's how I've been loved on and how I've been able to very comfortably love on this group of ladies as well. Those beautiful stories.
0: We brought the Bible study there. What a beautiful picture. Well, this morning we're going to continue in our series, Why Church? It's Okay to Ask, and we are building a case for church, and we are painting a picture for church. So a quick little review, and then we'll, we'll dive into why we do, or why church really matters to us. Week one, we said ultimately, Why Church? Because Jesus loves church the church. He died for the church. Week two, we said because we are committed to each other's spiritual growth. That we said that we're in this together. We have, there are different parts of the body. We are here to equip one another, to care for one another, to challenge one another. Delora was up here and we had serve cards and uh, we got a lot of information about what people are interested in and passions and we're trying to Put that information together and see how we can best equip and connect and move forward and then week three we said because we were created to worship together we were created to worship together to give worth to God together and then week four we said because we need clarity in a time of confusion we need clarity in a time of confusion and last week if you remember the picture we set right there at Christ crucified, at the resurrection, that is what is most essential. That is where we start in the conflicted, chaotic world in which we live in. We want to think from the inside out and bring the gospel from the inside out. And then this morning, very simple, why church? Because we need each other. Well, let me give you a little bit of a a, a biblical picture of that and then we'll dive in and see how we can make it uh, perhaps a little bit more real. One of the questions, when you hear words like love and need and care, these are words that can mean lots of things to lots of different people in lots of different contexts. So what is it that makes the love and the care in needing each other how is that unique how is that special in the body of Christ that's part of what we're going to answer this morning and we have this this kind of picture of the church in Acts 2 42 and it says uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and we've We've made the case that these two fit together, that we are, we are attached to the gospel, we are attached to the core teaching of the apostles, but we do this together. To the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Can you picture that church? Just imagine that for a moment, the kind of love that was present. If we said, hey, everybody come together and sell what you've got and we'll pull it, how would that go over? (laughs) But sometimes when I look at this early picture and this is like, this is so close after the resurrection. This This is after, you know, Peter has preached this sermon and and 3,000 have come and we have this idealistic view of church, of what it looked like. And then I look at today and I see such a disconnect. It ain't the same. We're in Amazon and Netflix world. (laughs) It all can be about me. And I can get discouraged When I look at this model, and I look at church today, and when I look in the mirror, I can get discouraged, and if that's all there were, that would probably be a valid response, and we can certainly be challenged, but as you keep turning right in your Bible, you will see that it wasn't always like that, and it didn't stay like that all the time. I want to share a passage with you this morning that is several years later, but you see this church, this idealistic vision of perfect love and and all that, that just seems so pure. But it didn't take too long for egos to get in the way. It didn't take too long for differences in thinking to get in the way. I'm going to take you to Paul's letter to the church at Galatia. Where they were having a significant conflict over community. And here was the issue. You had this group of Jewish Christians with the law and circumcision and all these things, and then you had Gentile believers who did not hear, adhere to the Jewish customs, and everything was, was peachy. and then there was a group that said, "Hey, now wait a minute, they're not following this higher standard. They're not." following all the rituals, all the ceremonies of the law, we ought not eat together. Even Peter, even Barnabas, son of encouragement, bought into this, and Paul says, hey, time out, stop, this is out of bounds. This is not in line with the gospel. We ought to be together. And Paul says this in Galatians 2, 19, he says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. So it's not the law that saves me. It's not my adherence to these rules and regulations that save me. We know from Romans that all have fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in need of grace. We're all in need of a Savior. And he says, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing." I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. What does that mean? It means a death has occurred. It means I have died to something. It means when we put our faith, our trust in Christ, we we die to putting the trinity of me, myself, and I at the center. I am no longer, the world no longer revolves around me. It's no longer up to me to save myself because I can't do that. That illusion is gone. Earning has died. Performing to be accepted by God has died. I want that simple truth to sink in this morning. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. So when Jesus died on that cross and he said, it is finished, he paid that penalty for your sins and mine. 2,000 years ago on the cross, it was finished there it's the simple gospel that we we talk about a lot here at this church that's in that essential belief bullseye category that says I've been saved by grace through faith not through my works I can't boast about that boasting is done earning has done All those things have died. But Christ now lives in me. Christ lives in me. What does that even look like? Well, I want to take you to one more passage. I want to take you to the words of Jesus himself in John chapter 13. Jesus says, a new law I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, if you've been in church for any length of time or you've paid attention to Anything regarded to Jesus, you know that Jesus and love go together. The word I want you to think about, though, in this is the word new. Jesus says, I give you a new commandment, a new command, not a suggestion, not a it would be nice if you did this. Not after you've already met your own needs, consider this, but I give you a new command. Now, if you're a bit of an Old Testament scholar, you know that these words to love did not start in the New Testament. They go all the way back. The greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love your neighbors yourself were not new inventions but Jesus said this is a new commandment a new command I had to scratch my head on that this week and say why is why does he say new why new well, There's a lot of ways we can answer that we can talk about we can talk theologically about the new covenant and we can we can go into all types of things about the gospel and how Jesus paid the price for our sin and all that good stuff in Romans we talked about. And that is all true. But the new command is now very simple. Jesus is present. Jesus is present in that love. Jesus is present in that love. As I look at Rick and Joe, always in the front row looking good, and I say, I, if, I, if I love you and you love me, Jesus is in that. Jesus is in that love. That's part of what makes it new. There is a new presence. There is a new presence in that love. Great theologian, heroic life, a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a couple of famous books called One Cost of Discipleship, Another One Life Together, from which this comes from. And I think Bonhoeffer, think back, Nazi Germany, where so many of the churches just kind of rolled over and, and let Hitler do what he was going to do. Bonhoeffer and some others stood up. So much to the point, though, so much to the point that Bonhoeffer ended up being executed for being a part of a movement to get rid of Hitler. Fascinating story. But Bonhoeffer in his book Life Together says this, Christian community is not an ideal to be realized. It is not an ideal to be realized. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ In which we may participate. Let me say that again. It is not an ideal to be realized. I don't simply look at Acts 2 42 to 47 and say, this is the ideal, this is the standard. Now work your tail off to hit that. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. The more clearly we learn to recognize that the ground and strength and promise of all our fellowship is in Jesus Christ alone, the more serenely shall we think of our fellowship and pray and hope for it. Let me break this down for you, because I, I, let's think about this for a moment. I want you to think about this idea that Christ is with us, that Christ is at the center of our fellowship. What does that even look like, to say Jesus is present with us? I mean, when my daughter was little, she had imaginary friends. Anybody have imaginary friends growing up, or your kids? I think there was Sally and Pal, and I remember just the, the, the sliding glass door being open, open in the winter and, and shut the door. Well, no, we got to let Pal in. Well, I don't see Pal. <laughs> Maybe for some of you, Jesus seems like an imaginary friend that some can see and some can't. Maybe for others, you, you think of the presence of Jesus, and it's, it's simply an idea It's a good concept. It's a nice model to follow. Oh, it's so much more. It's so much more. When we think of Jesus and we think of of following him, we think of following him and we... You know, we we teach from the Bible and we do we do classes and we explain things and we say, hey, you know, as as Paul told us, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Says this in Romans 12. Pattern of this world, it's all about you, it's it's all these other things. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And we we say, yes, we want to, as we follow Jesus, we want to think clearly. We want to think clearly. Okay, you come to the core beliefs, you, you, you do the biblical conflict resolution class, and you, you, you develop a framework, a mindset that's different from the world. And it's truth. And we say, yes, yes, this is true. This is my head. i got to think right. And then we say, you know, you, you've got some hands here, and we want to, we want to call you to action. We want to help the most vulnerable. I think of so many people that are hurting and vulnerable, whether it's locally, whether it's the Afghani refugees, so overwhelmed with burdens, where we can say, as we follow Jesus, we we extend our hands in practical love. And we can say, join a group. Take a step. Do, do, do. Doing is good. Okay? So there's a head and there's a hands. But sometimes we forget the heart. We can forget the heart. We can forget or not emphasize as much or not, not experience the heart of what it means to say that Jesus is present with us. That Jesus is present with us. The simple truth I want you to walk away with today is this. When we are together, we can see more of Jesus. If Christ is in you, That's what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. If Christ is in you, if Jesus is in you, and Jesus is in me, when we are together, we can see, we can experience more of Jesus himself. The God of the universe, the God who created the world, His presence through the Holy Spirit is in you, is in me, and when we're together, we can experience more of Jesus. Had a handful of conversations this past week, and there was a common theme of, I'm trying to figure my life out. Anybody been there? In your 20s, 30s, (laughs) 40s? 50s, I can keep going. But I am trying to figure out my life. I am trying to figure out my life. And one conversation in particular went something like this. Well, I'm trying to understand who God is. I'm trying to figure out what it looks like to pray. I'm trying to really understand what I believe And I think I need to go on this journey by myself first. And then when I get it figured out a little bit, then I'm going to connect with the church. And I said, you're absolutely right. Call me in 10 years and we'll figure it out. I said, no, 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 no. That's not the way to do it. That's not the way to do it. Let's do this together. Because when we're together, we can see, we can experience more of who Jesus is. If you're going to sit in this conflict resolution class, you, you need Jesus in the room <laughs> when you're having a hard conversation. It's not your brain and my brain. We need Jesus here. We need the Jesus that's in you, the Jesus that's in me. It ain't different Jesus is, okay? I'm not saying that, but... but We have different gifts, different experiences, but as followers of Jesus, Christ is in us. So when we're together, we have more of him, even less of us. My friends, that's a beautiful picture of community. That's a beautiful picture of what it means to be together. That's a beautiful picture of why we need each other. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. By faith, faith, I can't see it. I can experience it. I know that it's true. And it's not just a figment of my imagination. I know it's true. Why do I know it's true? Because Jesus died on the cross And he rose. He rose. Paul says, I'm going to preach Christ crucified. That's where I'm going to start. I'm going to finish with the resurrection, and that's why I know it's true. And then I can live, you can live, we can live together a life where we can say, I've been crucified with Christ. It doesn't have to be, my love doesn't have to be transactional anymore. I don't have to give to get something back from you because Jesus already paid that price. Amen? Now, at this time, we're going to live that out a little bit, and I would invite you to come to the communion table. We remember... that on the night, Jesus was betrayed. Those disciples had just heard those words about a new commandment. They're young, they're trying to figure out their own lives. They had different expectations, pride that would have to be burned off, fear that Jesus would have to deal with. And we know the rest of the story. But they didn't at the time. But Jesus met them where they were. And he meets us today where we are. So as followers of Jesus, as... Not perfect, but as followers of Jesus, we, we come together. And we remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And after giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples... Said, take eat, do this in remembrance of me. So we we, we receive the bread together. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup. He says, This cup represents my blood. This is the the blood of the new covenant, blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take, drink, do this in remembrance of Jesus. May we receive the cup together. Would you pray with me? Father, as we remember the bread, we remember the cup, while this is a wafer and a a cup of juice and plastic and we're over 2,000 years ago to the events that we remember we thank you that you are present with us now that you are actually present with us so I would pray now that we would together together experience your presence. And I would even pray that if there was someone today who did not experience your presence, does not know you, that they would simply come and respond to the invitation to participate to be a part of your community. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, on that note, as we prepare to to sing, I would want you to know that we do have tables available. For something in the message that you heard or a song or God is stirring in your heart, don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. We have men and women who would be glad to pray with you, pray for you, for any reason.